0: Hi everybody, and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Who got rain And We've been looking at a number of different uh, Bible characters. Um, we, uh, and uh, some of them... Um, Really sort of heroic, like David um, and inspiring like esther um, bad a bit or oh, naughty like Samson, no bad, and uh, <laughs> that's just not naughty that 's just bad isn't it and and uh, tonight we 're going to look at someone um, who's a uh, an unusual hero figure Jonah, um, and Jonah's one of those characters this morning we looked at Gideon uh, and Gideon is an unknown. Character a lot of people some people came to me um, this morning and said i'm so glad you spoke that message i didn 't know about gideon i 'd heard of gideon 's bible didn 't know i didn 't know there was a gideon and um, uh, and and you know that which is quite amazing but everyone 's heard of Jonah because jonah uh, Jonah and the whale everyone knows about Jonah and the whale uh, it's a ch- it 's a children' folklore story um, and so Tonight, what I want to speak about is the, the true story of Jonah, but what we're going to do is we're actually we're going to miss out all of the story of Jonah and get right to the very end. We're going to go to Jonah chapter 4. But let me, before that, tell the story of Jonah um, so that we understand where he's at and what's going on in his life and in his world. So we kind of understand something of his drive and his motivation. Um, Jonah, 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 that's Jonah going to Nineveh. Jonah, Jonah is a prophet um, and he is a man of God at a time when the children of Israel have been taken captive by various kings um, and they, it's a time of transition between during the time of the minor prophets um, in that sort of extended period before um, Christ came. So we've had some of the sort of major prophets and we have this time of, of um, sort of existence. And Jonah um, is is ministering during that time and he's a, he's a man after the heart of God and, and God speaks and says, I, I want you to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was the biggest city in the world. Um, it, it is said that it took take three days to get across and they've since discovered that um, that if you if you actually it says in Jonah it's a three day journey across Nineveh, and uh, Nineveh is in fact a three day journey across. They they found that um, if you look at the outer lying sort of areas, uh, it had walls um, in which you could run uh, horse and uh, uh, what was it those the chariots they could run chariots around the tops of the walls. Uh, it was an absolutely magnificent uh, had a magnificent palace. Um, and was a phenomenal city, um, a world class city, uh, and in its day the largest the largest in the world and and so God speaks to Jonah to go to Nineveh, but Jonah doesn 't like Nineveh for very obvious reasons. Nineveh represents all of the oppression the the control the manipulation, and the destruction of everything that he holds dear. so in his mind, Nineveh equals wickedness, Israel, his little world, equals goodness. So he decides that he's going to run away to Tarshish. Uh, and Tarshish, <laughs> that's another word. that's something you want to say when you make sure your teeth are glued in. And Tarshish is actually a place that is on the, right down the bottom of Spain, it's kind of near sort of Gibraltar area, it's right down the bottom uh, of Spain. So, and Nineveh is Now, Mosul. So, actually, Mosul is kind of the other side of of, uh, the the river uh, of where Nineveh is. So, uh, So, you can't get... So, Jonah, he gets this message from God that he has to go and preach to the Nineveh and tell them to repent. He doesn't want to tell them to repent. And he doesn't want to tell them to repent because he knows that God's loving and kind and gracious and forgiving. And... He knows that he'll just go and forgive them and not destroy them. And he wants them to be destroyed because they're wicked and they're bad. And he, he hates them and he, he just wants them to burn. And he, he's just full of all this indignation. And so, and so he's like, I'm not going because I don't trust you, God. You're, you're going to just do what you always do. And so he runs away in the opposite direction. And it's a considerable distance. Um, to the very further western, southwest part of Spain uh, to the um, Mosul, which is in the northern part uh, of Iraq. That's the um, area run by the Kurds, the Kurdish area of Iraq. And so he runs off to, um, to Tarshish, and he's on the boat crossing the Mediterranean, and uh, a mighty storm rises up, and the, the men on the boat, they, they all realized that there's something... This is not just a storm. There's something about this which is more than just a storm. And they start asking um, Jonah, you know, what's the deal here? Who, is, who are you and who is your God? He says, my God is the God that created uh, the world and uh, I'm in trouble. Um, and they said, well, you know, you better fix it because we're going to die. Uh, and so but they were loath to to do anything they didn't want to kill him and uh, in the end he says you must throw me overboard and um, so um, they threw him overboard and he is swallowed by a fish could have been a while but probably wasn't Uh, the Bible says he was swallowed by a fish and that story in itself is an amazing story of Christ that when when Jonah was swallowed, you see, Jesus said, I give you no sign. People come looking for a sign, but I, come, I give you no sign other than the sign of Jonah. And the sign of Jonah is this. He went, he was, he, he, Jonah was swallowed by fish. In other words, he died. And for three days, he was in the belly of the fish, and then he was spewed up onto the beach. He came back to life. And the result of coming back to life was he led a whole city to salvation, And the story of Jesus Christ is he gave his life upon the cross and for three days he took control of death and hell. He won the victory for us and when he rose again he brought salvation to the world. It's just an incredible story in itself. But I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on Jonah himself and, and what it was about Jonah, the man who was discovering what it was to live a supernatural existence. Now, the difference between Jonah and all the other guys is he knew exactly how to walk and live in the supernatural. It wasn't like Gideon, who'd never met God before. God says to Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah understands completely what God is saying and why he's saying it, but he doesn't want to go. In other words, Jonah wants to live in the natural rather than the supernatural. He's afraid of the supernatural because the supernatural is taking him somewhere. He doesn't want to go. And so, he decides that he's going to go in the opposite direction. Eventually, of course, he finds himself spewed back on the beach, probably back on the beach, uh, the uh, land of Israel, (laughs) and uh, back, back where he started from, and he then restarts his journey... Uh, off to Nineveh. Now, the story of Jonah is very short, and, you know, it sounds like he spewed up onto the beach and then landed at Nineveh, which, of course, that wasn't the case. It would have been weeks, months uh, journeying uh, before he arrived. And so when he arrived in Nineveh, he arrived in a foreign city, a city uh, with um, foreign gods and foreign traditions, and he comes around, and it says he walked around preaching Telling the people that if they didn't repent, God was going to judge them, and he was probably—I wonder what he was going, his attitude, because he wanted God to judge them. He wanted them all to die. You can imagine. Look, you've got to repent. God's going to kill you. He probably mentioned more about the killing you than you've got to repent. You've got to repent. God's going to kill you. You've got to go. You're just going to die. Maybe he just cut the repent bit out altogether. In the end, you just just—you're going to die, and. And the amazing message of this God's grace is this: Nineveh is not a is not a Jewish is not a Jewish um, city. It has no promises according to covenant and the grace of God. It doesn't exist with his within his structure of his message to bring salvation to the earth. It's just a city. It's a city of people, but it's a city of people that God loves and cares for. And God wants to save the people because of the fact there's so many of them and they're living such reckless lives. And so God sends Jonah to a people who don't worship God, who don't cry out to Him, who have no idea He exists and He starts speaking a message of hope and salvation. Actually, a message of repentance. But what they hear is that there is an Opportunity. The moment you hear that you can repent, hope is birthed that you might find another way. If I can repent, then I have opportunity to change my past. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the key issues of life is that many people want to just not feel bad. Right. But what we've got to feel is repentance. Yeah. Because repentance is the key to remove what feels bad. Yeah. 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 And so we live it. We actually live in a world that is obsessed with comfort and feeling good but jonah he was living in a world that was obsessed with killing everyone that he was angry with and so jonah is preaching this message and he re- and he tells them they've got to they've got to uh, uh, repent and then they do And he's just... Even the king repents and the king puts on sackcloth and he's walking around crying, crying out to God. And Jonah's just ticked off. So Jonah goes off and he sits up on a hill and he looks at the hill and he's waiting for like that Sodom and Gomorrah moment. He's looking for like, you know... It's going to sort of hail storms of fire and and all this stuff is going to be poured out and all this, it's going to just, he's going to roast them and, and none of it, and he could see the city is being blessed and he sits there for a few days. And so we pick it up after that Jonah had, in Jonah 4, and we pick it up in verse 1, this Jonah had sat watching this and God had, Created a plant to grow up and give him shade overnight, while in from the, to protect him from the sun. It's hot in Iraq, right? And so he's sitting there, and God was looking after Jonah while Jonah was praying that God would kill. It's amazing how the grace of God still takes care of you, even when your atti- attitude is just wrong. I've discovered that that God's grace. He's always there for my life, even when my attitude is wrong. But nevertheless, God is still in the midst of His grace. It's not just grace. It's grace with purpose. And so, Jonah is experiencing... He creates this big plant. It covers him, and then the plant is eaten and died. And now, Jonah is even more ticked off. Because now, not only is the city living, but he hasn't got any shade. And so, it says here in... Jonah 4, verse 1, it says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he became angry. So we prayed to the Lord. He says, Ah Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. You can tell he's really spitting those words out. (laughs) One who relents from doing harm. Now therefore, Lord, please take my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. Have you ever, in all the Bible, met a man who so doesn't get what it is to be a servant of God and to live in his purposes? Someone who so can hear God so understands what God is doing and saying, so has such revelation. He can tell God who God is. It's not like he doesn't even know, but he still doesn't get it because his attitude is wrong. And you know, the, one of the greatest aspects of our life as we pursue a faith in God, I want you to know, it doesn't matter what revelation you've got. It doesn't matter how clever you are, if your attitude is wrong, you will always be robbed of your eternal purposes. And here we have this man sitting on a hill waiting for a city to be roasted. And he just can't he just can't deal with the fact that not only not he is so angry that god didn't kill him he's now angry that a plant died do you know what i've discovered about people who are angry once someone gets ticked everything ticks them have you discovered that when you're angry everything annoys you you can be you can just be you can be angry and then you can have a You can walk through your kitchen, there's a cup in the wrong place. Why is the cup in the wrong place? People always put it there. It's meant to be over there, it's over here. What are they doing? The world is falling apart. God, I want to die. (laughs) It's incredible how a bad attitude would take you into an incredibly unreasonable place. It's like suddenly, just because he didn't get his own way, he now has to die. It's like it's the end of the world. And it's the end of the world because a tree died. (laughs) Because a tree died, he wants to die. It's a terrible, terrible day for Jonah. (laughs) But Jonah, he had an attitude and his attitude was actually called entitlement. Entitlement. You might wonder what, really? Because, you see, Jonah felt entitled to be angry because he knew he worshipped the true God, the loving, gracious, slow to anger. The one who wishes not to do people harm, but to bring blessing and comfort into people's lives. He knew the God that he served. He knew that he was a part of a people who had been chosen to preciously carry and protect that message through the generations that a saviour from that from that family may be raised up. He knew that he was part of that. And that a people, a mighty people, clumsy and, and cruel and and powerful and strong and, and just and just selfish in every way would rise up. They've risen up. The biggest city in the world had risen up and taken control of an entire area. And crushed and he was angry he felt entitled after all, he felt that he had rights that he never had because he saw himself in his true spiritual place, but he misplaced his attitude within it. You see, it is quite possible for you to see who you are in Christ, but your attitude will misplace you. And he felt entitled. You know what? Entitlement is what runs through all of our lives. It's one of the greatest diseases within the house. Entitlement comes in entitled. Entitled in the traditional churches, yeah, that's my seat. There was always... I, I was brought up in a strict Baptist chapel and the seat, the chapel could seat 400 people but there were like 30 people there and... They didn't close on any area in the chapel because within the whole area we all had our favourite seats. My parents used to like sitting in the balcony up on the uh, left-hand side if you're facing, uh, if you're facing the, um, the pulpit and you um, would be up on the left-hand side and we would sit towards the back at the left uh, opposite our friends and family who would sit opposite in the balcony on the other side. And, uh, and then there would be a few old people dotted around. Nobody sat together. They just sat in their favorite place. And nobody dared sit anywhere else, because after all, that's not your seat. <laughs> and so people owned the seat. It was, a, it was a place of entitlement. That's mine. I come here. Every, it's mine by possession that I keep sitting in it. Therefore, it is mine. It's like the person um, who, who, you know, takes ownership of land because they just have been there for a long time. Therefore, it, it's mine. And we begin to feel an entitlement. We, we have an entitlement culture. I'm entitled to, um, to damages if somebody has harmed me. I'm entitled to refunds. I'm entitled to rights. I'm entitled to, to to people protecting my interests. So I have rights, and I'm entitled. And and Jonah, he suffered from entitlement. He suffered from an attitude which said, if he serves God, then he's entitled to something better than God loving the people that he hates. And he began to entirely miss what it was that God had called him to do. You see, what he was there to do was to bring an incredible message of grace and salvation to save hundreds of thousands of people and lead them into a place, lead a revival in a Gentile city. To bring just an incredible message of grace but instead he he brought the revival but he was never able to celebrate it. And what happened is that he lived in this place where he, couldn't, he could never enjoy what was going on. You see, entitlement will shrink your world. He only saw the people he didn't love. God sees all the people and he loves them all says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The incredible fact is that for God so loved the world, He didn't so love a people. He didn't so love a race. He didn't so love a group of people. One of the greatest errors that came into the United Kingdom, Britain had the, the biggest empire Um, in the world, owned at one point, one third of the entire world was under British rule at the height of its empire. And at that time, Britons became so proud that they believed that they were somehow chosen by God to be something. Maybe they were the missing tribe of Israel. There was was actually a, a cult group that believed that Britons were the missing tribe of Israel and uh there was a there are still people today who are part of that kind of weird religious group and people believed that that britain somehow had a special standing in god's grace above all other nations and then and now britain's going oh, what happened to the empire <laughs> yeah well you you screwed it up <laughs> you <laughs> you missed the point for what it was there for which is to bring a message of salvation because Britain was one of the greatest mission-sending nations on the planet. That's why it was there, to get the gospel into the world. That's why that's the only reason why it was there. It wasn't there to give Britain a name. It was there to quicken the spread of the gospel. But you have to understand this, that that if you believe you're entitled to something, you immediately shut out all other options of what God wants to do in your life. So your world shrinks. Yeah. The moment someone starts claiming, claiming a right, a right to feel angry, a right. I was reading in the news this, um, this evening uh, before we came out about a woman whose husband um, and two children were killed. She was in a car and they were on a holiday in Devon And a taxi driver attempted suicide by driving his car into that. And her husband and her children were killed, and she survived. And she said, it it was reported this week, she said, I live in the freedom of having forgiven him. I live in the freedom of having forgiven him. What a powerful, powerful statement that you see entitlement she's entitled to feel angry, entitled to claim, to feel that you want a life for a life, some kind of vindication of what was stolen from her. But that is what keeps you in a tiny world. Jonah felt angry for what was taken from him his land, his people, his rights of being a nation of Israel of having a kingdom taken and constantly being subservient to another nation another empire living in this right he felt angry instead of feeling the liberty of forgiveness of knowing that there is a bigger world to live in than the world that is measured by your entitlement and so entitlement is also loving yourself. Jonah says in Jonah 4 verse 10, it says the Lord says to Jonah you have pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh the great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock. I love that much livestock. It's like God's saying, look, I don't even want to kill the animals. (laughs) I I don't even want to kill the cattle. I want... In other words, God's saying, these people and their possessions are as important to me as you are. But Jonah was angry and he asked to die not because a city didn't die but because a plant did. Because a plant did die, a plant that gave him comfort, something that, that, something that had been provided for him. It was his little safe haven in a world of confusion. I want to tell you something that I've noticed as Christians that when we, when we are at a time of unsure of what's going on, we withdraw to our safe place. And we get into our little safe place. You see, see, God allows us to have a safe place and God is provoking Jonah. He's provoking him by giving him a safe place and then destroying it. He's trying to see how angry he can make him. He's just like, you get a, a person who's angry and then you, you niggle them. You, you, I remember doing that as a kid with my brothers. They're angry, so it just takes a little bit, little bit more of a push before they just explode. And you get this magnificent firework display <laughs> of language and screaming and shouting. And then you, you spend the rest of the day running away. And God is provoking Jonah because he wants to expose that all he thinks about is himself. Because he cares, actually, he cares not for a plant. He cares not for um, any of those things. He cares that he feels okay. And the greatest deception you have in your life when you are feeling self-pity, you're feeling anguish because of whatever's going on in your world that you don't like, and this is the reality. You feel entitled to feel sorry for yourself when God says, I feel sorry for the people who can't tell the difference between their right hand or the, and their left. Or, what it really means is, they can't tell the difference, literally, between what is right and what is wrong. What is good and what is bad. They've got no concept. I remember, many years ago, we were doing an outreach when the tall ships came to Aberdeen. Who remembers that? We did the tall ships in Aberdeen, and we um, we were we were there on the streets and we were doing all this dance and uh, we were doing all these dance tracks and, and the kids were there. We had a big um, youth band had come up um, to, to worship with us and it was just a fantastic time. And uh, we were there and we were handing out leaflets and we were uh, um, we were just having this amazing time and this, this, this family walked past and this mum walked past and these kids, they wanted to stop and watch. And the mum said, she said, She grabbed the kids. No, you can't watch that. They're evil. "Ah, ah." No one's ever called me evil before, I mean there are there are obviously you know people who may not understand faith, but but evil's quite that's that's a that's quite a line isn't it to draw there are these people are bad they're evil they they're sort of pernicious they they're up to no good they they they're trying to do something and it's something that gets into your brain and so they drag their little kids and I'm thinking what is that kid going to think how will he now perceive what evil is <laughs> training them to think and so what is happening is there's a generation there who wouldn't have a clue between what is good and what is bad not, a, not able and, and see God loves the nations of the world he loves the people within this world for us to understand that he will take us beyond our comfort zone that we might just lead someone to him that's why we're here. We've got message within our heart. We've got hope within our heart. It says in Psalm 31, that our spirit is a lamp of the Lord. That your spirit is a lamp of the Lord. That's an incredible truth. That God's truth shines through your spirit. We were here to give somebody else hope and not feel sorry for ourselves or claim the right to feel sorry for ourselves. Let me just finish with this tonight, shall we? Entitlement disempowers your ability to act and see with clarity. See, Jonah's true call was to be a man of hope, to tell the message that God loves and forgive those who come back to him. That was his supernatural purpose, but he couldn't see it Because he couldn't see it, he couldn't celebrate it. You see, Jonah was disempowered. Entitlement disempowered him to see clearly. He couldn't get clarity. Have you ever felt like you just can't see the wood for the trees? You can't make definition of events in your life that are going on around you. And that is the that is the great challenge that we have in life. That how do we see, how do we discern, how do we see what God sees? Jonah couldn't see it. All he could see was he knew what God could do, but he couldn't see why he wanted to do it. And we're going to understand that that God leads us into a place where he wants us to open up our hearts. And open up our minds that we can celebrate what we are in because God is working in us. We end up not seeing what is already in front of us. I've met many people complaining about what they have instead of celebrating what God's done. And I remember listening to a pastor. He was telling the story. He was a Malaysian pastor. And he was telling the story of uh, a woman who said been in church many years and she said pastor I'm leaving the church and she was obviously offended about something um, and I'm going to leave I'm, I'm offended I'm going to leave and he, and he said that's fine you can leave um, and um, but before you leave what I really appreciate you doing is just writing a, a list of all the things that God has done in your life when you, since you've been here and so he's, she started to write and and he came back to her later on that day and uh, he said, um, you know, do, do you have that for me so that I can take that and we can you just pray for you? And she said, I'm not leaving now. I, I'm, I, I can see now what God has done that's in my life. You know, you see, Jonah was failing to see the grace that was already applied to him so that he could apply grace to somebody else because he felt entitled to something that wasn't his right to take. We don't have a right to claim in the kingdom of God. We don't have a right for position. We don't have a right for place. We don't have a right for ministry or possession or belonging. We are blessed with many things. God blesses us and that is our blessing to do with it what we can to bring greater blessing to those who are around us. And that is what opens up a clarity that enables us to step into a bigger world. Amen? Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website www.thejunctionchurch.com God bless.